honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Handel's Messiah, which includes the Hallelujah Chorus, was written by George Frederick Handel in 1742. In his day, such music was often derided by religious leaders in England, where it was written. To escape some of the controversy, it actually premiered in Ireland, where Jonathan Swift, who wrote Gulliver's Travels, threatened to remove the singers from St. Patrick's Cathedral for participating. The oratorio is usually sung around the world at Christmas, but it actually tells the entire story of the life of Jesus. Charles Jennings, a close friend and collaborator of Handel, described it as a meditation of our Lord and Messiah in Christian thought and belief. The score is 259 pages long, contains roughly 250,000 notes on the manuscript, but it was written in only 24 days. One legend concerns King George II, who ruled England when Handel's Messiah was composed. The legend says that when he heard it for the first time and the Hallelujah Chorus began, he stood in honor of the true king. The crowd joined him and a tradition was born. Is the legend true? Maybe not, but throughout the centuries, audiences and congregations have gotten up out of their seats to pay tribute to the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The words of the Hallelujah Chorus are interesting. Hallelujah is repeated 50 times. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth is there twice, and of his king is twice, and he shall reign forever and ever five times, forever and ever another 11 times, king of kings six times, lord of lords five times, and he shall reign another two times. Remember then that the next time someone says that modern worship choruses are too repetitive. You want repetitive? Check out Psalm 136. During the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 to 7, Jesus tells us how not to pray to draw attention to ourselves. You don't just babble on the way pagans do with their meaningless repetitions. Then he teaches the crowd and us how to pray. I memorize it when I was pretty young, beginning with Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, and concluding with For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It turns out that some later manuscripts of Matthew's gospel have added the last triumphant line, but it wasn't there in the earliest versions. Does it really matter? It's not like God is counting the number of times we recite the Lord's Prayer perfectly, whatever that means. And if we reach a certain threshold, we'll gain his favor. That's not how it works at all. It has much more with how we live than the words that we recite. Paul writes, Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't think his intent is that once a year, probably around Christmas time, we all gather and sing the Hallelujah Chorus. I don't think he wants us to voice generous platitudes. I don't think he wants us to recite a prayer. He wants us to honor the Lord and bring glory to his name always, forever and ever, to eternity and beyond. When we reach the end of John's revelation in chapter 21, as he is describing the new Jerusalem with its streets paved with gold as transparent as glass, he writes, 
The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I love what verse 26 says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. I don't think this is the nations celebrating their glory and honor. This is the nations of the Lord bringing glory and honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to be there. I want my nation, Canada, to be counted among those that are honoring God. And the nations of my family, USA, Great Britain, Ethiopia, Japan, and beyond, to be among the faithful. In my mind's eye, I see something like the procession of nations that takes place at the Olympics, assembling in some out-of-this-world stadium to honor the Lord, or like the processional way leading to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant in Star Wars, or the processional of Aslan in Narnia, where little Lucy becomes Queen Lucy Pevensey the Valiant. What a day of rejoicing that will be for those who bring glory and honor to God in this life and the next.